going to talk about is you're ready, ready. Is you're ready, ready. Hallelujah. And uh, specifically uh, on focus. Hallelujah. Uh, the Lord gave me two words this, this, uh, this year. I saw them on something, and it just jumped up to me. The first one is stalwart. S-T-A-L-W-A-R-T. Stalwart. Doesn't that sound like someone that's unflinching, that's un, that just won't let go, that's got a grip? They're stalwart. They're un, unmovable. And the other word is the word fierce. We should, we should endeavor this year to be stalwart and fierce. They're both very strong words. And uh, the Lord's called you to be strong. Now, we were talking about before the service that it's not what we're, the times we're going in right now. I know Iran uh, is throwing their trash talking and stuff like that, but we're, we're paying no attention to that. We, are, we already read the word. We, are, we already found out how this is turning out, so we, we just let it ride out. But a lot of people are nervous and gold went up and all sorts of things that uh, you can tell. Uh, but we're stalwart and we're fierce, and it just doesn't matter. But I want to minister tonight about Focus for 2020. Focus in your life. And I wrote down here, every born-again believer has the God kind of faith, but only the word focused live it. We don't live our faith just because we got it. You know, everybody that's born again gets the God kind of faith. It's, in a, it's the measure of faith. It's inside of you. And whether you grow it or not is up to you, up to me. But it's in there. It's like a, a little kid. He's got the same muscles that you and I do, but we've grown ours up, although I could use a little tune-up, hallelujah, about those muscles. So we're going to talk about focus and how we should live in our faith, and that without a focus, we will not live it in by our faith. And the word that's kind of bumping around right now is to uh, have 20-20 vision. Since it's 2020, everybody's talking about having 20-20 vision. So let's, let's lay some groundwork down here. Uh, let's, let's declare this, that faith is absolute. It's not like horseshoes and hand grenades, you know, close enough. It's, it's not getting, faith is, you don't get a break from heaven for trying. E for effort, so to speak. You're either in faith or you're not. And close enough is not close enough. You've got to get in faith. The mountain will defy everything that's not the God kind of faith being spoken to it. It will defy it. It will wiggle. It will, it will stay there. It will be stalwart, and it will be fierce until you and I are more than that. So we can't just get a break from heaven saying, God, you know, I'm trying. Uh, people say, Lord, I, I, you know, the Lord understands. No, he doesn't understand. He understands faith. That's who he is. That's what he is. That's what he's put in us. And he expects us to live by faith. And we're in a very blessed time right now. We're in America. And, you know, like I said, Iran and other people are rattling around China. And everybody's the, the world scene. It makes people nervous. We're in a very good economy right now. So people are not wanting to live by faith. They're wanting to live by the times. So they may have slacked up and maybe lost their focus. But these times are not... Uh, uh, indicative of how strong we are. In these times, if you slack off, if you lay around, if you just ride the good times, 
then your future is in jeopardy because what you do now will prepare you and determine what you'll have when hard times come. You can hardly get ready in hard times. You can call on resources and reload, but if it's not in there, it's really hard to gain ground in hard times. And I have found that many, I don't want to say most, but many Christians, many born-again believers, are, uh, are distracted by things that, listen, don't matter. It's one thing to be displaced by someone that's left and gone to heaven or t- terrible things are distractions. But most Christians, it is not that. The other day I, uh, I was in front of Sam's or somewhere, and, uh, and someone came out of Sam's, and, wa- and they were in their phone. I'm not talking about a little bit. They were in it, and they walked clear across. And I was already in the, the lane where they go, and he walked right in front of me and never saw me, and, and uh, I stopped for him. That's all I'm going to say about that, me and Forrest Gump say, so hallelujah. But they're distracted by things that don't matter, and, it, and the phone is the least of it. The uh, devices are the least of it, but certainly they're an indication of it. And why is that? Most Christians are uh, deluded, their lives are deluded by the constant soul priorities, soul priorities, priorities of the soul that are not. They make them a priority. I need to do this, I need to do that. Even good things like exercise and, and uh, good things that people could do, yet it becomes a distraction. Have you ever tried to pray and then all of a sudden your mind is flooded with things you should be doing and you know you get up and say, well, this is going on and that's going on, I need to. It's very challenging for us to, to take our soul priorities, the daily responsibilities of life, and make them bow their knee and sit under the priorities as we are as Christians. So actually, you could say of many Christians, a carnal generation as it were, that they're, uh, they're attending to the world. The world has got their 24 hours. There's not enough to do everything. And certainly in America and uh, here in Alabama, we got so much blessing, we could just keep ourselves 24-7. If we could get out of sleep, I promise you we would, and we would turn this clock 24 hours a day full strength because there's so much to do, so much to see. When you could travel, you could buy a gadget, you could uh, look at nature, uh, so many things. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. We're talking about is your ready ready, and specifically talking about your focus. It, what is your focus worth? What is my focus worth? Because We're already paying the price, whatever we think it's worth, that's the price we're paying. But we may want to pay more so that we can have a better focus. Chapter 4 of Proverbs, and look what the Word says, just wisdom from the beginning about the power of focus. You know, lots of people have lots of things, potentially, but because they don't focus, they don't prioritize, they don't lay down for them, they almost all of them go out of their life. Did you know that as a believer that you and I could find in the Word if we had no help, just had, but we had a Bible, and we had something, a challenge against our life, either financially or relationally or in our body, there is a way that if we would focus, the Lord would show us how to get out of every trouble, every snare. Because as He is, so are we in this world. And the Word is the answer. But here in chapter 4 of Proverbs in verse 20, 
uh, Solomon said, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto mine sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, let them not, not depart. So they must be always trying to depart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Why? For they are life to those that find them, grasp them, and health to all their flesh. Medicine, literally. Verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. We're talking about focus here. For out of it, the heart, are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. We have to, we have to put them away. And we're not chasing those things, but they certainly come into our lives. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and yet, and let all thy ways be established. So he's talking about focus here. Everybody knows what a good thing is, and everybody knows what we should do. Everybody knows what they want to do. I want to serve God, don't you? I want to serve him day and night, night and day. I want him to be happy with me, and I want to please him. Well, what is, what's up with everybody that says that, and they're not doing it? Well, it's because there's just a lot going on. If there's, we could call it distraction. There's just a lot of distraction. And, and not with smoking this and drinking that and whatever. It's good stuff. It's our kids. It's our grandkids. It's, it's, vac- it's good stuff. Mow your grass. After it's 16 inches tall, mow that. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's iron those clothes. It's not it's not beautiful to come out and you know have the latest wrinkle uh in, in your life. But still those are good things, but they keep us many times uh, we don't to know how to manage our time. In verse 20 it says attend to my words, incline thy ear to my sayings. The word attend there le- means to listen with the intent to do. Now all of y'all have raised kids, so we know what this means how we were raising kids, that they're not listening with the intent to do. They're listening because if they don't listen, uh, mama's going to tell them, are you listening to me? But that doesn't mean that they're hearing a word. They're not listening with the intent to do. We're all guilty of that. Oh, my goodness. It means to prick up the ears to understand. You've seen a dog do that, where they, you, you call their name and they, their ears go in. It says, attend to my words, and he says, incline thine ears. And that means just what you think it means. It means to bend forward, to hear, to lean in. Lean in. Not, not if you can tell me, then all power to you, but no, you want to tell me something? I'm leaning in to get every word. Uh, verse 21, let them not depart. Let them not depart from their eyes. So obviously... Wisdom is trying to get away from us. He said, keep them in the midst of thine heart. The word midst of thine heart means, I love this. This is the best thing about the whole thing tonight. It means where the precious things go and are kept. You're like, what's your heart? It's where the precious things are. That's where they go when when you make them precious, and that's where you find them when you need the precious things. So he said, uh, of, of the precious things... Keep these words in the precious things box, in the precious things room. Keep in your heart. Keep them there. Keep them there. Refresh them. Go over them. Build a wall around them. Refresh them. 
And then verse 23, he says, uh, we're skipping verse 22. Verse 23 says, keep thy heart. So here we're talking about focus again. Keep thy heart with all diligence. The word keep there, I like this in the Hebrew. It says to protect, to preserve a hidden thing. So, you know, mamas, they got their little kids and stuff, big kids. They're always got their ears up for danger. I, I remember uh, uh, Colin would get phone calls from girls. <laughs> and his mother was, she was tuned in. <laughs> and she was protecting him. And she regularly told him, do you, are you going to take care of this or do you want me to take care of this? <laughs> I promise to take care of this, Mama. <laughs> so it means the keep means to protect, to preserve a hidden thing. So keep thy heart, protect your heart, preserve your heart. It's vulnerable. It doesn't have a high fence. So you have to protect it in there. And it says keep it with all diligence. And the word here is like a sentry on a post. That means he's guarding. He's walking around guarding. So he's, he said, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, the heart, come the issues of life. And we know this word, it means borders. It means boundaries. It, I know a lot of them say issues. It's the, it's the part of you. But actually, it means borders and boundaries. Uh, it's the edge of deliverance. If you go past this edge then you're not going to be delivered or protected. So you stay within the border that you've made with your faith to keep those words. Ah, so it's focus. It takes a lot of energy to do this. This is not just like, what are we going to have for lunch and where, where are we going to go on vacation? This is like this day, this, this hour, I have to... There's, there's people around me that are trying to spoil me. There's the devil that's wanting to usurp my life and grab my children and pervert them and take my husband off with some floozy or, or, you know, get me fired from my job. There's just all sorts of things going on that need our attention, and we have to keep our heart with all diligence. The TEV, the 23rd, verse 23, that says, keep thy heart with all diligence, the TEV says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Well, we know what Proverbs says, as man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then verse 25, let me read verse 25 here. It says, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. We're talking about focus. The, the New Living says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Don't be taken in. I've been in trouble so many times from driving along with somebody and and start looking at something. I'm real curious and start looking at something. And then doggone that car. What are you doing slowing down? I'm looking at something. What are you doing slowing down? And my passengers are all, you know, they're on the top of the roof and, and uh, exercising their vocal cords. And suddenly I realized that I... So he said, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. So uh, years ago, we said this, and we even had a, little, had a little sticker that we put in our Bibles. It says, uh, uh, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's focus. Your life, my life, we're assigned not to do the whole thing, not to be jack-of-all-trades. That is, that is a wrong Christian concept. We are to master. 
And so we're to keep the main thing, whatever it is in your life at this time, the main thing is the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And then but and once you establish what the main thing is, I, I'm reminded uh, 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 someone said, uh, you know, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, it would it would be a young mother that had two kids that were crawling around. You know, they were they were just toddlers. And she was saying, well, I feel led to go to the mission field. And they said, uh, no, that's not that's not your calling right now. That's you're you're out of season. You're out of timing. And so that's not the main thing. So once we find the main thing for the season that we're in, there's seasons. Nobody wants winter all, all year long. We're all ticked about it in Alabama that if, if it's cold and we just don't like it, do we, Barry? We don't like it any time. But, you know, when the season's over, we want our sunshine. And uh, uh, in West Texas, the wind would blow until spring was over, mostly. So we want we cannot we we all have seasons. We don't want any season to be year-round. So seasons are good for us. So we have, to, uh, we have to establish the main thing in the season that we're in. See, so we, we've got, some of us have grand sugars, grandkids. And that's like, oh, that's more fun than having kids. I, raising kids is not that much fun, as I remember. But raising grandkids, that's great. You just don't have to be mean to anybody. Just poke something in them and... Tell them you love them and then send them home when they, oh, it's great. I love grandkids. That's just great. But, but that's a season. And until you get in that season, you'll read those bumper stickers that say, ask me about my grandkids. And they just, just gag about bumper stickers. But then when you're in that season, you got pictures. Let me show you this and show you that. Oh, it's, it affects everybody. There's no getting around it. Uh, but once you establish what the main thing is for that area of your life, then you have to focus on it. Because uh, sometimes husbands or anyone gets real focused on work and neglects their wife or neglects their family. And, uh, and it's a good thing. He's bringing home the bacon, so to speak. He's, he's doing a good job. But if he neglects that and doesn't focus on that, it's all in naught. He's making it for the divorce or whatever that comes along. And it's just you're out of focus. So we have to focus on everything in order to keep it. And the key is, is the things that we should not focus on. You know, there's a lot in this world that we shouldn't even be touching, even though it's not bad, even though it's even good. There's some things you can't focus on. You know, if you're not paying your electric bill, you shouldn't be looking at the 68 or 88 uh, inch uh, uh, LED televisions for your house. That's, that's not your focus, you know. Well, it looks good on that picture. It's not your focus. It's not your priority. So, two things. I've talked about this before, but let's just go through it. To keep your focus, you need two things going on in your life all the time because progress is important. But the first one is, is passion. Lots of Christians, lots of non-Christians, they get tired of the same old, same old. That's why you ought to go on vacation. You ought to break out of the same old, same old, get out of town, and then when you come back, everything looks better. That's my experience anyway. It's, uh, I base that on the tithe principle or on the, the uh, Sabbath principle specifically, is that uh, you can get more done giving God his part than you can not giving God his part. 
and, and a vacation. I always get lots of revelation. I always see things different when I come back into town. So passion is when you're believing what you've seen and heard and put in your life. It's a reflection of it. Passion is the reflection of what you've seen and heard that is important to you. Passion expresses it. I used to have a motorcycle. I had two motorcycles. And I enjoy looking through motorcycle books. There's a chrome this and a, and a, and a, uh, a leather strap that and, and polish for this. And you go, who would look at that? Well, I was passionate about motorcycles, and I bought junk to put on my little bike. And, you know, I wanted my helmet just right and my gloves just right and a little, a little bag to carry my water. I was just, but at the time, that's who I was in that particular vein. Well, we've all been in those seasons, and we were passionate. But sometimes it's just not wisdom to be passionate about those things. You can't be passionate about everything, and you have to have a priority list. The second thing that I think is important to focus is timing. Have you ever been at the right place at the wrong time? I am famous for that. And I've said it many times. It used to, uh, if the Lord would show me something before the time, I just didn't have the patience to wait for it. I just like, I know it. I'm hot after God. Uh, this sounds like so much fun. Uh, I never thought he wanted me to pray about it for a month or two. It's like, why would we do that? We already know what you want, and I'm already in. And I'd get there too soon. I'd, I'd mess it up. I would, I would talk about it before it's time, and, and I've suffered for it in some ways. But all of us have. The Lord wants to be able to show us things and say, let's, let's talk about this. Let's men meditate this. Let's get stuff out of you that's wrong so you can do this, and let's get stuff in you that's right. But instead, we just go pull the trigger, and there it is. And let me tell you something. This is a fact. The common denominator in all great men and women, you go, well, they're educated or they've got wealthy parents or they've got a big IQ. It's really not that. Focus is the common denominator of all great people. So how many of us in here could be great people? All of us could. I wasn't born wealthy. I wasn't born real smart, IQ-wise. I wasn't, but I have the ability to focus, which just means I take my whole life and narrow it down like a laser and narrow it down and become master over a particular area, even though I don't know anything about these areas. I, I'm kind of a, ja a jack-a-leg about uh, I can carpentry and remodeling and stuff, but I don't mess with electricity. When I was in high school, I messed with electricity one time. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. Step back from that power. I'm already way back. I just like call somebody, come fix this. I don't even mess with it. Uh, and so I, I have no mastery over power, electricity. But I'm good at other things, just like you are. Amen? So we, we should stay with that. Nobody ever made a difference through indifference. The things that we're indifferent about, they, they not only are powerless in our life, but they will bite you. They will take away from you. You have to be passionate about the calling of God on your life. So I looked in the Bible, and y'all have too, uh, specifically in the book of Genesis. And a lot of this is reflected in Hebrews 
uh, chapter 11, uh, that what made men in the Old Testament great was the ones that focused. And there was some, some that didn't have much going on. If you really look at, at uh, Gideon, you'll find out he was the least of the least of the least. And the least tribe, the least fam- clan, and the least in his own family. But he got focused. And he's in the book. Um, uh, Noah was focused. Yea, verily, would y'all say a hundred and something years was focused? Ah, oh, he... He, you look up focus, and it'll say, see Noah. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, long time with lots of distractions. Uh, of course, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, we, we just go through all of them and say, why were they great? Well, God picked them because they were focused. The Bible says in Genesis chapter uh, 18, 19, or 19, 18, that God chose Abraham simply because, one reason, because it says he would train his children, his household, after him. In other words, he, would, he wouldn't just live in the moment. He would take his family towards the covenant, and he would, he would mandate that this, this God that he had embraced would go forward. So I looked up some things. In Mark 5, it talks about Jairus, and it also talks about the woman with the issue of blood. What made, that, what made that girl so special? What made her, Mark chapter 5 is full of her. Well, it's because she focused. She said, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be healed. And she just, you know, she was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be, all that stuff. But she just, she razored in on him. In Mark chapter 10, it talked about blind Bartimaeus. And where he, he said, son of David, have mercy on me. And they kept saying, oh fool, get back, get back. And he just kept coming, and he got his sight. Um, in Mark chapter 10, I noticed that the rich young ruler, y'all know that story, he failed to focus. He said, well, I've done this, and I've got that, and I will do this. But Jesus said, well, I, we just need you to focus on this one little thing. He said, I can't do it, and he went away unhappy. Um, um, Luke chapter 22 talks about Judas. He failed to focus. He'd been with the master three years. And he just wouldn't focus. He's, that, that silver coin got, even though he had the purse, probably was stealing out of the purse. And so he kind of wanted to build up his retirement account, his Keo. And so he, uh, he dipped into that. He failed to focus. And obviously, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they lost their focus. And you know, they were good people. They were great people. They were leaders. They didn't get to be that way without being leaders. But they took their eye off the ball, so to speak, and they lost their focus, and it cost them everything. The Bible says they went somewhere in the eternal realm right after that. <laughs> I don't want to say where, but, you know, they, they, they made their choices. So everybody that ever loses their focus to a distraction fails. You fail at that if you lose, if you're focused on something that's a priority, that's an important thing. We'll talk about the calling, and you take your eye off of it. You can look back at things that are hard in your life or were hard, and it'll always be. I had it going. It looked good. It was going to work. It was going to put us over. And then we got distracted, lost our focus, and we lost it. 
I don't know what happened to Alabama the other night. I was watching the game in some restaurant in, in basketball, and we were, we were 15 points ahead of Florida. And then I looked at the news reel, the news feed the next day, and we lost. We lost. And it's like, we had this thing for three quarters or two quarters, whatever it is that they do basketball. Don't you think you can be ahead 15 points that you can win the game? Wouldn't you all think? Well, obviously, focus was on Florida's side. Obviously, they got focused, and somebody must have got themselves a little distracted, and it turned around. Uh, Barry's given me a video, and I'm going to show it to you sometime. It's awesome. It's, it's, may do this next time. But it talks about all the people that were in a race or a competition, and they saw themselves. They saw themselves right there at the finish line, and they put up their arms on their cycle or, you know, started cheering, and somebody come around and with a photo finish beat them. Wouldn't that be hard on your life? Well, we're all living that. We're all living less than our potential because we've like, I got the victory. This is, Daddy would have been proud. Grandpa would have been proud, but it's not what makes the Lord Jesus proud. We, we have a higher standard. So everything that yielded to distraction and moved failed in my life and in your life. I can point it to you in my life. I'm not going to. Thank you very much, but uh, I can tell you. So what, what's yours and my assignment? Let's just get basics here. My assignment is to find my assignment. Well, what's your real assignment? That is my real assignment. And I've, I've been a lot of things. I've, I'm a farmer for one thing, and that was my assignment. And then all of a sudden, I got a new assignment, and I had to focus on, I had to find my assignment because there was things going on. I'm telling you, I was one happy farmer. I loved to farm. I, I, would, I would be on the tractor, get fueled up, seeding the boxes, waiting for the sun to come up so that I could lay down a line. I was so excited about farming. But, but when the Lord, when I got the Holy Ghost, it's like, time's up. It's over, son. And I had to uh, reload. Um, let's look in Hebrews chapter 12. Y'all are right there, sort of. Hebrews chapter 12. Talking about, is you ready? Ready. Because when the time to be ready comes, you'll need to be ready. There, there's, we, we just go to the parable of the ten virgins, and we can see five of them, the ready wasn't ready, and it cost them everything. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1 says, Wherefore, Seeing we also are, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Look, look, here it is, focus. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin with does, which doth so easily beset us. You know, everybody's got something that they have to fight day and night, night and day, until you finally wrestle that alligator to the ground and tie it off. Are y'all here? Everybody, you go, not me, I'm, no, we all are. We all are. Every pastor is, every minister is, every great Billy Graham is. They all had to wrestle the, the, uh, the uh, weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And then he says, here it is, Once, how do we do that or what are we doing? And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
I want to look at that spot right there. It says the race that is set before us. Well, that's got two meanings. It means just the Christian race, just to live right and serve God and, and be that. But it also means our particular race. Uh, Joey's got a different race than me, even though we we both do it by faith. We both have to deal with our money. We both have to deal with prayer. We all both have to deal with everything. But it's just like jobs. Everybody has a job that pays them a salary, but they're all different. But the end is the same. We get a check and uh, it we take it home. And and uh, in Second Timothy chapter four. Go west just a little bit, chapter 4. It's just practically the end of the, of the letter in chapter 4. It says in verse 7, we're talking about the race that Paul said, I, uh, excuse me, the author of Hebrews, if it's not Paul, said, I, I'm running my race. I, I had to lay aside the distractions to run my race. Now listen, family, this, is, this seems plain, but let me just say it. you got distractions in running your race. It doesn't matter if you, if you can sing like a bird or you can play the piano without even looking or if you can preach without, you know, for six days. There's a distraction. There's a, there's a weight and a sin that's been sent against every ministry, any assignment that you and I have. Mothers have it tough with their kids. Fathers have a, 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 a hindrance, a limitation to be good fathers. We, we all struggle. There's always a mountain that's got to be moved. And we're judged by how we move the mountain. It says in verse 7, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, I've completed my course. That's what it also means. It's, the word there is I've paid off. It's like a debt term. I've paid off my course. I, I, I got to the end of it. Isn't that interesting? That we're, we're kind of in debt till we finish our course. You know, some people never make a payment on it. They, they, they like, what debt? What, what assignment? What race that I'm in? He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now, my's in italic, so it could be any word in there. The, the course, and I have kept the faith. Let me read it to you in the, the passion. You know that's going to be good. It says, I have fought an excellent fight. Now, right there, Paul's the big daddy of the New Testament. I mean, if he says it, if, if he says it several ways in several places. He said, I fought an excellent fight. We're in a fight. Make no mistake, you're in a fight. What is the fight for? What, what, what are we protecting? Well, we're protecting the assignment, the course, the race that our life is in. How do we do it? Well, it's a, big, it's a big assignment. God wants me to do this and wants me to do that. That's right. How will I do it? I'm ordinary. I don't, I don't have any special skills. I, I'm, I'm just plain and regular. You focus. Focus puts you out of, in front of everything else. It's when you actually pick up your weapons to do warfare and you don't pick them up until you're focused on it. People think they're fighting all the time, the, the, the warfare, running their race all the time, but actually they're just existing. I know people that are not born again, they're not Christians, but they have a soul, they have a strong mind, and they're able to do things willfully. Just, they just will it. 
I had a grandmother that was very willful, and she was struck with all sorts of... Grandmother had all these things, and they just came at waves. She should have been down and out, but she was willful. Do you all know anybody that's just strong in their mind? Just kind of ornery, kind of kind of like tur- uh, jerky. You, you have to chew on them a while to get them down. <laughs> uh, well, that's all, that's all that is. Passion says, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course, and I've kept my heart full of faith. Instead of I kept the faith, he said, I've kept my heart full of faith. Well, it takes a focus because there's lots of distractions. And you know uh, that joke that we tell sometimes that, uh, uh, about the lady that was believing God for a daycare? And it would be, it'd be, I don't believe in nightmares, but it would be the worst thing that could happen to me is God would give me, if he, got, if he missed it one step and a, and a daycare came into my life, we would have trouble with heaven, <laughs> I can tell you. And so we all have different fights because we all have a different assignment. We all have a different race. And the thing is, is to not get in somebody else's race and try to be somebody else and do what somebody else is assigned because you don't have the grace for it. They're good at it because there's a grace on them to do it. I promise you, we have no grace for parenting. All my children, I pray for them because I want them to stay in position. <laughs> don't, you, don't you be going to heaven and leaving your kids here with me. Don't you do it. I'm praying. Paul's praying. So uh, uh, I fought an excellent fight. I finished my full course. So let's just say a couple things and we'll, we'll do this another time. It's what is Satan's goal in your life? Well, steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how does he do that? His main goal, he doesn't have to do much. He just has to break our focus. Because if he gets, so we're doing good things. Well, I'm feeding the hungry and I'm, I'm uh, going to nations. But if that's not your assignment, you never did finish or enter into your course. There's no grace for you because your grace is on a specific thing. We can all do Christian things and we all should be moral and and uh, steady and, and faithful and all that. But what's your assignment? you got to find it. And it changes. There's seasons in your life it changes. Like I said, that little girl that's got the two babies, honey, you're not going to the mission field right now. You pray for the mission field. You give to the mission field. You, you read about the mission field. But you you got two babies. You're not going. Well, we all have been tempted like that. So the, the goal of Satan is to break the focus of our assignment and he does that many times. Listen, you got to learn to say no. Well, this is a Christian thing, and this will help. And they need they need what they need me. You got to say no, because a lot of times I've stepped into other people that really were more gifted and certainly called to it, and I was just moved by need. And we're not moved by need because God's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. And so, if he was moved by need, he wouldn't be in America. He'd be somewhere else, wouldn't he? So, uh, so God, the devil tries to get you to carry a false burden, something that is not your assignment, to prioritize something that everybody else thinks it's real important, but it's not your priority. Listen, raise it when you're young. A parent raising your kids is your priority. It's not the social scene. It's not the. It's it's raising your kids, because if you don't raise them, they will come back and say. I get a do-over, and they'll come back and try to move in with you and, <laughs> and borrow money. So it's like do it right the first time and send them out where they'll stay. Amen. So I'm, 
uh, it's time to quit. But I will say this. Focus produces mastery. And when you have mastery, you will always succeed. There is no jack-of-all-trades in heaven. We all have specific assignments, unique and tailored just to us. Right now, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm what I'm assigned. I'm looking to see all the time, Lord, what, what is, is this assignment? Am I transitioning through this at River Church? And it's going to take on more dimensions of my assignment in other words, pastor and do other things uh, too, or am I go- is, what is it? What is it? What is it? You go, well, I have been that way for 40 years. It'll never change. Oh, it took 40 years for Moses to catch on. Moses was on the backside for 40 years so he could talk to Pharaoh 12 times. And best we can tell, they were short conversations. It was let my people go. I won't. <laughs> It took 12, it took 40 years to get that. Well, it took 40 years for him to come back the second and the third and the ninth and the 11th time. And that's what he's building into us right now. But if you don't ever develop a mastery because you don't focus and you're just a good boy, you're just a good boy and you show up and you give and you serve and you're just a good boy, good girl, but you never enter enter into your assignment, then you have no mastery and you can't get that well done. You get that survivor, you get that overcomer thing, but you don't get that well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee master, administrator, ruler over much. That's where he's sending us. So uh, uh, we read it Sunday about Curry Blake saying, we're not accumulating, we're equipping to send out. We're not, we don't need a big building, we don't, because they're, they're coming in and moving out with not just like that, but in, in a sense. So if we had a bunch of people come in here that don't know, come on from Sikkim, we wouldn't send them to me. We'd send them to you. Because you're, you're the ones that are going to uh, do the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what Ephesians 4 says that the fivefold equips the saints to do to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, we need mastery. Now, I can tell you I can't sing. Y'all have heard it, and it's, it's bona fide truth. But there's plenty of people that can sing at sing. So I don't even, I don't even try. I tell Deborah Ann, if I could sing, I would serenade her regularly. But she's, uh, she's sure that I have not taken enough lessons. She's positive. So anyway, well, keep your focus. Get focused on what God's called you to do. Your assignment is to find out what your assignment is and then go do your assignment. So appreciate you tuning in to River Church this evening. We'll be here next Wednesday. God bless you.